Hello! And welcome to... Oh, man, that was more like you, Melissa. Sorry. Stop stealing my thunder. Welcome to episode 96 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, and I'm joined today by Peter DeMeo. The beekeeper extraordinaire. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. What if they just tuned in for the first time? Welcome to the podcast. And Melissa, you got to do something different. Howdy ho. (laughs) (laughs) And Phil Fariska. Welcome back or welcome for the first time. That's what Pete just said. I know. I want to literally be original, man. Be an influencer. I'm still reading your notes. Okay. Fair (laughs) enough. Well, I just gave a little hint about my notes there with the word influencer. Cause today, a little foreshadowing going on. That is indeed what we're doing. We are talking about influencer marketing. Dun, dun, dun. It is all the rage. People are talking about it left and right. And people are talking about it like it's never existed before. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into it. But I feel like it's something that's existed for a long time. It's just kind of shifted to where it is and how you leverage it. But before we get into that... What are we doing, Pete? I think we need to uh, get the, a little bit of newsaroos on. Is it newsaroos? There was some debate beforehand. Are we changing the name back no, to we're, newsies? No, we're keeping it with newsaroos. Or newsicles. Yeah. But I, that, then we wouldn't have the the theme tune. You mean with, with hotel marketing that cannot lose, and now it's time for newsaroos. Hey, you can hold a tune, man. That's the only thing I can sing, though. I practice that one thing. <laughs> yeah, in the shower. Yeah. Meet my one-trick pony. There you go. Cool. So, so what do we have in the news news today? All right. So the first one is an article from our friends at Travel Tripper, and it's called How Five Hotel Hotels Compete with OTAs by Showcasing Unique Local Experiences. And I really like this article, not because it's groundbreaking information, but because it really does show what hoteliers should be doing. And going back to that innkeeper type experience of helping people who are visiting your area know more about your area and tie them into the community and what they did is they went through five different typically boutique hotels that have really unique experiences for their guests just one of the examples that they have is the lemon lock which is a boutique property in london and every wednesday they have a 5k run that takes you basically through the city and shows you different historic sites and things along those lines, followed by a Saturday morning yoga club, which is you know hosted by you know some local yoga experts and whatnot. But what they're doing is creating a reason to do business with this property specifically, and not look at the hotel as if it were just a commodity in a place for you to lay your head, which I think is it's so important. And you get go to the article for the other four different properties, but I think what it really does show is you have to do more for your guests to make yourself special so people don't book just through the OTAs. They're booking with you, and that's who they have the relationship with. Yeah, it's interesting that they focus on it's competing against the OTAs because it's also competing against other properties. Other properties, yeah, sure. And it's also competing against Airbnb. Uh, you know, So I, I think the gist of it that, that I took from it is you know, we, we ha- as an industry have homogenized, right? There's a lot of, we were talking about this earlier today on the This Week in Hospitality Digital Marketing show that, you know, a room is a room in a lot of hotels. And, you know, with increased uh, competition from folks like Airbnb, 
we should be getting back to our roots of hospitality and being innkeepers and caring about our guests. And really, we should have the resources to do that as as hotels because you've got, you know, whether you're a small property or a large property, you've got between your five and 100 staff members that live locally, that know the area, that have things they're passionate about, that should genuinely care about their guests that are staying. So this, it's a, what's really surprising is that more hotels aren't doing this kind of stuff because it's really simple and yet it's really, really effective. I agree with you on that statement. I think that, you know, you go somewhere and like you said, a room is a room, a bed is a bed, a toilet is a toilet. Let's just go there, right? I mean, what, what makes you stand out is what personalization can can I get when I come stay at your property? How can you make my trip better? How can you make it more rememberable so I will That's share? Rememberable? Rememberable? Memorable? Memorable. Memorable. Remembered it. Remember and then you came back. Rememberable. It's just made up a word. You did. Um, but like, I just think that if you do that and people are more likely to go to their friends and their family and their social media outlets and 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 recommend you right you become remarkable people want to or rememberable yeah rememberable (laughs) remarkable they want to talk about you they want to say hey we had this unique experience that i'd never expected or had never had before so well i mean that's the difference between going to mcdonald's and going to a local burger joint one is you know okay i'm getting a burger it's not the best but i know what i'm getting it's consistent it's consistent yeah you go to holiday inn you're staying at a Holiday Inn. I know what color the sheets are going to be. I know everything about it. But when you go to a you know little individual property, that's your that's your niche to really help that customer experience the destination. And we've seen this through some of the stuff that we've done with content, mm-hmm. like creating content and content marketing for some of our clients. Something as simple as, you know, you have a map of bike trails around an area, a long article about it, all the information you can provide, and then you offer something like bike rentals or bike storage at your property. Uh, you're drawing in a whole market you might not have before. People searching for biking through your area, you know, they might stop and stay. Yeah, and what's, I mean, what's the expense in that? I mean, you think about this, these people that do a 5K tour once a week, a 5K at most is going to take, you know, it's less certainly it's less, less than, than an, an hour, hour right, of, of one employee that's probably already a passionate runner. So you, you're getting loyalty with that employee. They probably enjoy it. And, and there's no real other expense, and, and it adds so much value to the guest. It's such a good idea. I really like it's it. It's such a good idea f- for that particular property and that particular employee that figured out a way to have his workouts be paid for. Or her. Or her. Mm. Okay, so we just had that one article to, this week. So wait week. a minute. What? We didn't have news ruse. What do you mean? We had news ruse. This there, is true. There, there was only one ruse. Actually, I'm going to add a second one, and this is I'm, I'm calling an audible here. So, this is something interesting that happened. You know, we just had Hurricane Florence kind of rip through the North and South Carolina coast, and a lot of us, I didn't, but a lot of folks in the office ended up going to hotels in different areas, right, and had a, a, a different, a bunch of different experiences. And I know Pete last week on the show, you'd spoken about your experience where they were really flexible about letting you, mm-hmm. you know, when you were arriving, when you were departing, they kind of waived their normal processes in terms of, okay, if you don't cancel within 24 hours, you're going to get charged, stuff like that. So you had a great experience. So our um, head of technology here, David Day, he had a very different experience. So they went to Atlanta and stayed at a Marriott. And Uh-oh. they went to Columbia. 
Oh, you're right. It was yeah. it was in Colombia that they went to, and they stayed at a Marriott. And when they um, checked in, the front desk were great, and they said, "Yeah, we'll we'll work out whatever you need to." They ended up checking out a day earlier than they had originally intended, and the front desk said, "We'll do what we can." But then they got ended up getting charged for the extra night afterwards. Oof. So, obviously disgruntled, his wife Stacy, what she did was wrote a really nice, very genuine letter about. How disappointed she was, how this is what she'd been told, but this is what had happened. And, you know, she, full disclosure, she's someone that books a lot of corporate travel through Marriott from her company on that same credit card. So she probably is flagged somewhere in Marriott as, you know, a super user. But she got immediately after sending that message, she got a message back from the GM apologizing, saying Mm. that obviously they would take care of that situation. They would not only refund the night that they charged incorrectly, but they'd give them one of the additional nights and an extra additional night for free as well. Wow. So she That's thought, very nice. well, great, right? You handled that <clears throat> perfectly. The next day she got another email from the GM's boss. So like a regional manager that said, this has been brought to my attention. We're, we're mortified that we did this. There's no excuse for it. We're going to comp the entire stay. So they ended wow. up getting a five-night wow. stay for free because wow. Marriott acknowledged the fact that they had made a mistake. And you know, during such a traumatic experience, like having to evacuate for a hurricane, you know, they had to deal with this nonsense. And, and it wasn't – I don't know whose fault it really was initially. It didn't seem like it was the front desk because they, they, they seemed to be friendly, according to David. I think it was the system, you know, something – programmatically well, the system went says wonky. you have such and such time to cancel right. if you don't do it you know the person pushing the buttons stopped being human for a minute and only just told what the computer told them to do right exactly so but this is a great example for even at a corporate level like a big company like marriott that did the right thing and probably honestly did too much you know yeah. in yeah. this case yeah. they didn't need to because after they'd get gotten what they had asked for and a little bit more, they were really happy. But now it's like, holy cow, we got our entire state yeah. for free, which was phenomenal. So good job to Marriott. I really think that's, you know, that is really being an innkeeper right there and caring about the individual. Now, had that just been Joe Schmo that had just booked their first Marriott experience, would they have had the same response? Probably not. But e- either way, you know, I think that's a really good thing that they did. So there in your face, Pete, we had <sighs> Newsaroos. That's a relief. I'd have to come up with a new song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are going to have to think of a singular version of the song. All right, so should we jump into the main topic at hand? Let's we dive shall. right in. Let's do it. So we're going to talk about influencer marketing. Dun, dun, dun. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but I've been seeing a lot of stuff, a lot of buzz about influencer marketing in the last probably, I don't know, year or year and a half. We've been talking about doing an episode on this for, for a long mm-hmm. time. But I, I just want to set expectations correctly. We're not going to be talking about how to do influencer marketing in this episode. We're not going to get into the kind of nitty gritty um, in the weeds, as it were. What we're going to be focusing on is, is this something, well, what is it, first of all? And then is it something that you should be considering as part of your overall marketing strategy, right? So that's kind of the the context of this episode. We'll probably do a future episode on the how-to's. Um, but let's jump right in and start off with 
some statistics, shall we? You want to start with the stat of the week? Stat of the week. Dun, dun. Hey, Pete, can you come up with a jingle for stat of the week? I feel like that should be a segment. Oh, no. No, no, not now. Not, not, <laughs> not on the spot. Not, not right now, but like for next week. Okay. Next week's episode, I want you to have a stat of the week jingle, and that's going to be a new thing. Okay. All right. I'll do what I can. <laughs> hey, Phil, what's the stat of the week? Stat of the week, 86% of marketers engaged in influencer marketing in 2017, of which 92% reported it being effective. That's crazy bananas, right? 86% of marketers used it. Yeah, and we, we've got the you know the origin of that stat in the in the show notes. I call shenanigans on that. I kind of do. I do. Really high, right? <laughs> call shenanigans And that. 92% 92% that it was effective. Should, I, would I think we should right. stop doing brand PPC and just focus all of our okay. money on influencer marketing. It is not, well, it is not our stat. We are sourcing it in the show notes, which is fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 96. It was a self-reporting survey, right? And we all know that they can be agended. And it was from a company that is heavily in the influencer marketing space. 92% of influencer marketers want you to spend money with influence marketing. Right. <laughs> so it's still a good stat. It, in terms of it, it illustrates the point, right? Which is there are a lot of people engaged in influencer marketing and, you know, anecdotally, the folks that I know, my clients that are engaged in it, are very happy with the results that it yields, mm -hmm. right? So whether it's 96% and 92% or 86 and 92%, I don't know. But it seems to be working for a lot of people, right? Well, even, it doesn't matter how many people. If you have 92% of the people who say they've done it say it's effective, that's, that's, right. that's the importance yeah. of that. The problem is... 75% of marketers are not good marketers and don't measure good ROI on their investments. So, you know, we got to strike those off of whether it's effective or not. But yeah, I, I think ultimately what we're trying to say is there's a good chance this could work for you if you try it out, right? So let's go through. I, put, I found another article that had 85 stats related to influencer marketing. And I went through that and kind of picked out the gems or the, the ones that you know, I think were more meaningful. And this was compiled from a lot of different studies. There was some Instagram data, some Google data, some actual um, surveys to influencers themselves. But let's go through really quickly. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time, but let's kind of jump through some of these top stats that we found. All right. Our first top stat is according to a survey conducted by Collective Bias, which was involving 14,000 respondents in the U.S., 70% of millennial consumers are influenced by the recommendations of their peers in buying decisions. No brainer, right? Yeah. I mean, you would assume that's correct. Mm -hmm. And th that's kind of followed and really related to the next stat too. Um, Google showing 70% of teenage YouTube audiences are influenced by more YouTubers than traditional celebrities. And I, I, as a, a parent of a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old boy, not quite teenagers, they really don't watch TV period. They're not interested in celebrities. Their celebrities are folks like Ninja. Yeah. Like Ninja. He, he is the number one guy that they talk about. He, and for those of you who don't know who Ninja is, he's this scrawny nerdy kid that streams playing Fortnite on YouTube. And the dude makes millions, like tens of millions of dollars a year doing nothing but streaming himself playing video games. But that is the that is the media that these this next generation is consuming, and I'm not saying you need to go get, you know, Ninja to be a sponsor of your hotel. 
but it's just, it's just a shift, a major shift in in where we get information. I forget who it was. I want to say maybe Samsung. Somebody just used him on a television commercial. Yeah, he's he's super famous, man. He's super he's transitioned famous. from that low level type of influencer to something like that now. That's yeah, he's a celebrity impressive. in his own right now, you know. But and, and not to jump too far ahead into kind of the notes here, but that's why it's so important to understand influencer marketing because a lot of the people listening to this podcast, myself included, are from a generation where you are more in tune with broadcast, with TV, with things along those lines. And that's not the case anymore for the people that are coming up. Even myself, we watch Netflix or Hulu or streaming this or that. We rarely ever turn the TV on to a broadcast channel. So this is why it's so important. I mean, people are getting their information from different places. You need to be there to... Yeah, and, and, and it's easy to dismiss that and say, oh, that's just millennials and that's just Gen Zers. But the reality is millennials are clo- getting close to 40 years old yeah. now. You know, they have families. Gen Zers are in their mid-20s now. You know, so these are people with real buying power. It's the majority of the population of the that I read an article earlier today talking about how Gen Zers are gonna be the majority of people mm-hmm. in the next five you know, couple of years or so. It's like thirty two percent of the entire population of the world are gonna be Gen Zers. Mm-hmm. So you really gotta pay attention to this. Just because you don't consume information or media this way, your target audience probably does. I just keep going through these stats. So this is going to be like a five-hour episode. <laughs> Do we want to go through all the stats or are we going to pick and choose kind of our favorites here? Let's go through them really quick. Rapid fire. All right. So number 30, stat number 34, which is stat number three. 60% of audiences on YouTube are influenced by YouTube stars on their purchases more than celebrities. Yep. Which I think which is kind, is of, what yeah, kind of what we just yeah. covered. As social media is used as a key source of research when making a purchase by 86% of women shoppers, which also totally makes sense to me. Yep. 47% of influencers would like to work with brands whose values are in alignment with theirs. Well, I think that's one so important. You don't have to go on a tangent again. Everything that we're seeing is about authenticity, and that's where social and you, I, I, I guess influencer marketing in general is so valuable is because you have to be authentic and that's why it works is because those people's fans ninja's fans are there because he knows how to play Fortnite better than anybody right and, and they they have a relationship right and it's built on mm-hmm. trust and they they take what he says as the gospel because over time he's built that relationship and it's so much different when someone reads an article or sees a video that is posted by what they consider an influence, you know, they wouldn't consider an influencer. They would consider them someone they'd look up to, right? Or someone that um, they respect and admire. That content is so much more believable and authentic than if me as a hotel puts out propaganda talking about mm-hmm. how great my hotel is. So it's just, it's just a different way of thinking about marketing, mm-hmm. right? Well, here's something else to consider as well is 90% of micro-influencers use Instagram to post their original content. Yeah, it, it, I'm not personally, I don't use Instagram a whole lot. I kind of peruse it casually, but I know a ton of people that get a lot of information from Instagram, especially inspirational information mm-hmm. about what to eat, where to travel, what to wear, fashion kind of stuff is really big on Instagram. That 
that is a channel that, you know, I'd still say Facebook is a bigger play for most of our type of clients mm-hmm. in most hotels, but you cannot dismiss yeah. the power of it Instagram. It is shifting. It, it is, is shifting. If, if you're not at least monitoring Instagram, I think you're missing the ball a little bit. For sure. And I'm not saying you have to, as a hotel, have a major Instagram account and a whole Instagram strategy. If you have the time, sure, you should be doing it. But but I think you know, Facebook is probably a bigger priority for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we're talking about influencer marketing and where the distribution <laughs> is going to be, Instagram is a major channel. Can we talk about what we mean by micro-influencer? Yeah, that's later in the notes. Okay. No. I'm just going to say we're going to cover it a couple of times. Might as well tell them now. <laughs> All right. So... Micro-influencer, traditionally when we think about, you know, people that influence, you know, if you look back historically, you're talking about... Um, Michael Jordan. Yeah, you, you know, famous people who endorse a product, right? Nike have always done that, whether, yep. whether it was Jordan, they're doing it now with Kaepernick, right? There's a difference between celebrity endorsement and, and what we're considering micro-influencers or influencers. Because it's less about the size of their following and more about the, the value that that following brings, right? So they they are typically really honed in on a specific niche or subject, and they are a, a true authority on that subject. And so the people that follow them really, really listen to them and, and are able to be persuaded by what they say. So let's take Ninja for example. He's a video gamer, right? If that guy's talking about headphones for video games, the kids are going to listen. Right. But if so. he starts talking about food, probably not so much, right? right? There's less of a less influence for him on, you know, whether it's yoga or food or whatever. So you wouldn't, if you're a health and wellness hotel, you wouldn't want to go out and work, collaborate with Ninja on how great you are at health and wellness. Because it's kind of opposite to video games. And, <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Yeah. So, all right, let's keep going through the stats. All right. So 97% of micro-influencers micro said that they charge less than $500 for a sponsored Instagram post. Making things really yeah. kind of affordable. And it, it is. It's really inexpensive. We'll get into that later. It's a really inexpensive method of advertising. And to be fair, sometimes it doesn't cost anything. So... And we'll talk about that later. We will. Keep going. Mark Lee analyzed more than 800,000 Instagram accounts and found that influencers on Instagram, having lower than 1,000 followers, get their audiences to like their posts 8% of the time. So this this goes back. And let's read the next stat. Instagram know. influencers with 10 million plus followers get their audiences to like their posts 1.6% of the time. All right, so this goes to what we were just saying about it's a difference between influencers and celebrity endorsement. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can go spend a million dollars with Kim Kardashian to, to post something. But that doesn't necessarily yield the same kind of ROI as finding a niche that is relevant, right? So in the case that we were talking about earlier where these guys do the 5K run every Wednesday, if you went and partnered with someone that's got in in London that has a big following of of runners, running enthusiasts, they're going to have a much better reach and be more in line with what you're trying to sell than some celebrity endorsement. So it's really, in the words of Yoda, size matters not. It's it's more about the quality, not the quantity of followers. Very true. And that kind of takes us to the next one. PageFair's ad blocker report shows that the use of ad blockers has increased 30%. And this is a 2016 report. I looked at 2018, 
and 46% of 15 to 24-year-olds use an ad blocker. And what that means is the goalposts are moving that if you are still doing only traditional advertising, you are going to be missing so many of your customers. Especially you, younger customers. Right. You need to, to move and you need to adapt. Well, I mean, even if you look at 26 to 35-year-olds, about 37% of those people are using ad blockers. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Right. I mean, it, it, it's mainstream. And if you go to any news site, I have an ad blocker. They're starting to set up those paywalls where it says, turn off your ad blocker right. if you want to see this website. But they're so annoying. I, like, I, you can't read the, I can't even yeah. figure out what the content is anymore. It's so bad. Do you use an ad blocker, Melissa? I don't. I use an ad blocker almost strictly to block YouTube ads. That's why. See, I use it for Chrome, yeah. Firefox. I do not have an ad blocker on. Here's the thing, right? If, if, if marketers as a whole did a good job of marketing, we wouldn't need ad blockers. So you mean if more people were like me, I wouldn't have have to use my ad blocker. <laughs> it's the same right. reason we have can spam and yeah. cancel right. law. Bad marketers are what yeah. causes this thing. It drives me nuts that you guys use ad blockers when a lot of your ad business relies on advertising. Well, that's why I use Chrome has an ad blocker, Firefox doesn't, and I can see them both because it's a completely different experience when all this crap is on the screen. But it shouldn't be crap. That's the point. Right? If advertising crap, is done it correctly, is. it's not crap. It's yeah. targeted. It's relevant. It's helpful. It's valuable. It's not. I'm trying to read this article. I don't need to know that I was looking at this flashlight on Amazon 25 times. But you're also smart enough to understand that if you don't somehow pay for that content, it's not going to exist. And if you're not willing to actually cough up your physical money to do it, then it's going to have to be ad-supported. Otherwise, who's paying the the journalist that wrote the article well see here's the problem is it's lazy marketing when you just jam it in you're like oh look it's just this little piece of javascript i'll just drop this in wait a minute i'll drop it in 10 times on this page that's 10 (laughs) times better i don't know Stuart. who paid that uh, who paid the person to write the article maybe they're an influencer no come (laughs) on all right next step so another study of influencer marketing stats by is it linkwa how do you say that? Sure. That sure. Sounds good. Sounds good. 94% of marketers have found it to be very effective. Again, this is the same people who put out the stat of 86% yep. of marketers engaged. Next stat. <laughs> All right. Influencer Marketing Hub conducted a study showing an increase of 325% in Google searches for influencer marketing in a single year. Right, so that really illustrates the point that this is a growing trend, right? So the people searching influence marketing aren't, aren't the consumers. They're people like you listening to this podcast that are interested in promoting your brand and in actually doing marketing. So it is a growing trend. It has been. I mean, people have been doing it for years, but this is something that I really think is kind of hitting fever pitch now, and it's going to continue to increase. Influencers are great content creators. 51% of marketers admit that influencer-created content outperforms brand-created content. That's pretty... But it makes sense, right? Because they yeah. they create their influence by creating content. Like, they wouldn't have an audience if they weren't good at creating content. And the content they create is authentic content. Hopefully. I mean, they wouldn't right. be successful if it yeah. wasn't, right? Because people are, are smart enough to see through that. So you as a marketer putting out propaganda again on your website is is less trusted than someone that is building their brand on being valuable and helpful to, to an audience. Last stat. 
81% of marketers leverage influencer-created content on other marketing channels. So that, so that's the thing. And, uh, you know, when we're talking through this, the meat of this episode in a second, the influencer marketing piece of, of your strategy isn't doesn't begin and end with the influencer because one of the tangible benefits of doing influencer marketing is it creates content, photos, videos, written content, stuff you can refer back to that can then be leveraged on other channels, right? Your website, your social media channels, not just theirs, in your advertising, wherever you want to put it. So those are some stats. Do you think they primed us to start talking about actual influencer marketing? I think the pump is primed. All right. So Pete, what is influencer marketing? All right. So influencer marketing is it's, it's not a new concept. I think we need to kind of lay that out there right now. I think it's now. a new phrase. It is a new phrase, but it's something that's been done forever. And the idea is that you can leverage someone else's audience and credibility to build awareness of what you offer. In our case, what you offer as a hotel. So, I mean, it's, it's always been popular for big brands through like celebrity endorsements or sports or whatever it might have been. But it's right now it's more about those micro-influencers micro and finding those people who are really in tune with the, I guess, the, the mindset of your hotel well, right. It's, it's digital word-of-mouth marketing. We know that's yes. some of the most effective marketing that's ever happened, but this is the new way to say it, right? Influencer marketing is a new way to say this. Exactly. Yeah, and, and it's a little different than, you know, word of mouth of me coming back to the office saying I had a great experience and telling you guys and telling my family, right? Because these people have earned an audience over time by by being an authority on a, on a right, subject. A trusted, a, you know, someone who's trusted about a specific topic. Right, so these are people that typically know how to communicate. They, they have opinions. They have a, a, a specific niche interest. And um, you as a hotel can leverage that, right? Because we spend a lot of money as marketers to advertise to to people to try to get them to come and stay at our hotel. And that can cost money, right? Whether we're spending advertising money on on display ads or on on Google ads or wherever it is, we're spending money to reach a new consumer, an audience. Well, influencer marketing, the, the... It's kind of a short circuit of that because you go and find someone that's already created an audience and already has stuff they're saying to them and then you find a way to work with them to communicate to that audience that they've already curated in a a method that puts your property in a better light. You know, gives positive sentiment, awareness and ultimately leads to bookings, hopefully. All right, so we already kind of touched on this, but why... Why, Phil, is influencer marketing something that's on the rise? Why I mean, are we hearing about it more and more? We did kind of touch on it. Pete's talking about people using ad blockers and shifting away from these traditional marketing channels. We have a younger audience who doesn't pay attention to celebrity so much uh, as much as you know a, a trusted YouTuber. Um, that's that's kind of what we're talking about. So a, as people move away from these traditional f- forms of media and tra- traditional forms of advertising, that's when you're really going to get the, the influencers of a of a specific vertical, you know, we're going to see this rise and rise and rise. Yeah. It comes down to fishing where the fish are, right? And and where people, where the fish are, the people, where they're paying attention has changed and will continue to change. You say it's bad fishing with grenades? <laughs> <laughs> it works, but you tend to kill your customers at that point. Let's not do that. So, Melissa, how does influencer marketing actually work? Well, the key word here is influencer. 
And when we're talking about influencers, as we've already said, it's not necessarily the size of their followings, but again, it's the fact that they are completely trusted by the people who do follow them and that those people are listening to them and really paying attention to what those people have to say. And so these people come in various forms. It could be somebody who's a photographer on Instagram, or it could be a mom blogger who tweets, or it could be a product reviewer on YouTube. There's just all these different channels, and you just kind of need to figure out what makes sense for you and the target audience you're trying to reach and where those people are. Yeah, and the type of content that's going to be produced. Right. You know, it, you might be a type of property that photography is going to be key, right? But you might that might not you might not be the most um, aesthetically pleasing property. So you might want to work more on the content in, in terms of blogs or videos or something like that. Something that's a little more tangible and meaningful. Well, I think that's dead on because the whole point of influencer marketing is these influencers are authentic to what they are doing. And if you're trying to inject your brand into them, you better be authentic about who you are as well, because it's going to come through very clearly that and you're going to look like an idiot when it, you are not the photogenic property and you're talking to an influencer who is all about photography. Yeah, for sure. And we'll talk about selecting the right influencers in a little while. But yeah, making sure that their goals are in line with your goals is critical when it comes to influencer marketing. I mean, for sure. if I think it's probably a appropriate time to talk about when influencer marketing has worked on us. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me personally, it was a podcaster was sent a product started talking about it and how much they love it. I love that podcaster. I went and bought the product. So, right. you know, it's the, it's the same, it's the same type of deal. Right. And that, in that case, the podcaster probably wasn't even paid money. They were just given, no, they were the, just product. given the product. Yeah. And that, that happens a mm -hmm. lot. And it's, it's different than advertising, right? It, it's more, it comes from that more genuine place. It comes from a, a true belief in the influencer that they, they, they have benefited from whatever the product mm -hmm. is in this case, a hotel stay and that their audience will benefit. Because the one thing you don't want to ever forget is it is a two-way street when you're doing influencer marketing. Not only are you benefiting from whatever the influencer is publishing, but the influencer is benefiting from you because they now have more relevant things to say mm -hmm. to their audience if you're picking the right influencers. So you're helping build up their brand. In turn, they're trying to build your brand as well. I mean, it really comes down to influence versus popularity, right? Right. And I think that's a common mistake that a lot of people make is, is they mistake popularity for influence. And right. That's Where not what Kim we're Kardashian is the super popular Instagram feed, but it may not necessarily be the one that influences anybody. And you want to stay away from the super popular ones and you want to focus on the ones that are actually going to influence people. Because at the end of the day, you do have to try to tie ROAS. Yeah, exactly. And you could go and spend a million dollars on Kim Kardashian, but you're really not going to get mm -hmm. that ROI. You know, right. versus if if you're a property that's focused on health and wellness, and you go partner with you know like a yoga instructor, mm -hmm. invite them to your property to come and do yoga lessons and and live stream those. Your ROI, your cost is going to be a lot lower, but your ROI is going to be a lot higher because they're speaking to the right audience. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, in the, if you look at some of the stats we we did at the start of the show. It, it shows you that those big popular sites don't have nearly the level of engagement that these micro-influencers do. Mm -hmm. So it, it, again, it comes back to finding an influencer that is in alignment with your values, with your offering, and has an audience that's going to actually be interested in what you're selling as well. 
All right, so how, how do we go about finding a note? Say, say we assume that now we're at the point where we do want to attempt to do influencer marketing. How do we go about finding the right kind of influencer for us? I would say the first thing you want to do is you want to be in tune with your customers and you want to, it, I guess, absorb the same information that they're absorbing. You're going to find those influencers if you're part of the community because you're going to know oh, I'm into mountain biking, mountain biking, I'm into running. These are the people that I'm following. That's who your influencers are going to be. But you probably also need some tools. And I think that's where, you know, there are a lot of things that you can use to help find those influencers. And Lauren Gray has a lot of them on hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com. One is Awero, which is basically a tool. A Wario. A Wario. Yeah, it's like... Um, Wario. Wario from uh, Mario. Oh, okay. Are you Wario. Make the Wario. A noise? Wario. It, the Mario or the Wario? The Wario noise. I don't I don't know if I could do that one. I think you can. Let's hear it. No. <laughs> <You're good. laughs> I was just trying to put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. So another great tool that that Lauren Gray mentions is Social Insider, which really helps monitor and rank who your influencers are. Yeah, so we in the show notes we got a I don't want to get again, don't want to get too into the weeds in this episode. But we listed a handful of tools that Lauren shared with us that he uses. And, um, you know, it, it's, you don't have to do guesswork. There are a lot of things out there that allow you to go in, rank these people, sort them, search for specific keywords, and, and really find and curate a list of folks that are going to be relevant to you. And it's not about finding one influencer. When you're coming up with an influencer marketing strategy, you really want to go find a bunch, right? Yeah. And, and start creating these conversations in a bunch of little niches on the internet as the marketer put yourself in your audience's shoes go figure out what they like who they're following what they're doing do the same things yourself and you're going to find yourself right in line with the influencers that you need to find yeah you're going to be in a, this little community of people that love running or love yoga or love food or whatever it is and you know one of the best things that i've seen our clients do is when they really engage with the influencer before you even talking about a relationship where they start um, advocating for your your brand just start becoming a part of that community and, and communicating directly with the influencer so that they recognize you and that they see the value in you and that's where we'll talk about price and, and, and stuff in a minute but if you are a part of that community and you're recognized by the influencer it's going to be a lot easier to have that conversation hey I'd love for you to come stay at my property. We'll put you up for a couple of nights. And then, you know, if you want to write about us, that would be great. That conversation is a lot difference. easier if you're authentic. You're coming yeah. at it from a, a genuine place. Yeah, I think that's the difference is that you have to be ingrained with your community and you'll find out who these influencers are. It's not much different from, say, SEO. You need to have valuable content for your audience and it needs to be written in the proper way. If you're engaged in it, people will find you. The role of influencer marketing is to take what you're already doing great and make sure people know about it. Mm -hmm. You're not, you can't fake this. Right, exactly. And I, I always look for three key components when we, when you're selecting an influencer. One, you want to look at their reach, and is it is it is the reach the right kind of audience? You know, do they have a sizable enough reach that it makes a difference? But is it the right kind of person that you're gonna want to communicate with? So that's number one. The second one is relevance. Are they in line with your values in, in your offering, right? So going back to the yoga example that we gave earlier, or if you're engaging with a food 
related influencer. You know, you have to have a restaurant on property, otherwise there's <laughs> mm-hmm. no value to that. And then third one is authenticity, right? Is this someone that really is trustworthy online? Is this someone that isn't just going to endorse something because they're getting paid, but it's someone that's going to only endorse something that they believe in? Um, Because I really think people are going to appreciate it more if that influencer does write about you or or blog about you, whatever it is, does a video about you. And they talk about the positives and the negatives, right, in context. Because every pro- no property is perfect. Everyone has issues. But is this person going to talk about it in a fair and balanced way that where they can be objective and say, you know, we did notice that the, the property had, was a little older, you know, could, could use a little more maintenance. But that didn't really distract because they had a, a killer key lime pie, you know, because they're, again, a food blogger or something like that. And have, have the right person from your property find these influencers if you're a let's say a, a golf resort have your head golf pro you know be a part of your twitter conversation for the property allow them to follow some people and engage in the conversation if you're if you have the person who works for you who's who, like you said you know who's the runner uh who's running the 5k have that person go follow the right things and be a part of your conversation yeah, and I think, you know, that's a whole nother episode in terms of how you manage the, sure. the process of, of getting the influencer marketer to come to the property, to visit, to, to, to enjoy the experience, and then to come up with the actual campaign itself. Like, because there's so many things you could be doing. And we'll, we'll link to some examples of some great influencer marketing campaigns. But you're right. It, it, someone on property has to be really engaged and have a have a process, have a checklist and really treat the influencer in a way that it is going to maximize the exposure that you get. Because it's easy to engage with an influencer and say, you know, here's your $500 or whatever it is, come to the property and then write a blog, right? That That's going to get you some kind of exposure. But guess what? If you have someone on property that really engages with them, creates a relationship with them, shares their passions, really makes sure that experience is great, that influencer is going to go above and beyond. They're not just going to write a blog and tweet about it, but they're going to become a true authentic advocate for your property. And they're going to be invested in wanting to share Mm -hmm. with their audience how great your property is and and genuinely want people to come stay with you because they think they'll benefit from it. And again, that adds value to them as as an influencer in their channels when they're that authentic. Well, I think that brings up kind of the next point on the on our notes here is it's really not that expensive to get into that social you know influence marketer game. Yeah, oh, if it costs anything in some True. cases. I mean, really, if if you are aligned with your influencers, they're going to want to come to your property. Why? Because that's what's authentic to them. And if you are a great culinary hotel, they're going to want to go to your property anyway. Right. Your job is to make it incredibly easy for them. Sometimes it doesn't take any money at all. But, I mean, in a lot of cases, 500 to to $1,000 for a single campaign may be all it takes to get a massive amount of reach and authentic, I guess, brand recognition for your property. Yeah, a lot of our clients, when we work with them on influencer marketing campaigns, will just comp the stay or, mm-hmm. or pay the travel expenses, right? And then just make sure they have a great time. So when they're on property, they'll give them free meals or whatever it is. But you're exactly right. If if it's the right kind of influencer, that they're, they're aligned with your values and your brand and w- what you believe in, your your offerings, 
a lot of these influencers don't necessarily want a monetary contribution because they're already monetizing their channels. You know, say they're a YouTuber, they're already monetizing their videos through advertising. So they're more about gaining um, an experience that they can create content from and building upon their brand. So if you find the right influencers, although it's kind of getting harder because I think there's more demand for influencers. So there's a supply and demand situation going on where they're beginning to charge a little more. But like you said, it could, it could be as little as 500 bucks to get someone that, that it, like a mom blogger to come and then do a massive campaign on you over the mm-hmm. next, you know, you could do a joint competition, like a sweepstake, something like that on their channels over the next month or two and make it more than just a single blog post or mm-hmm. a single email blast or whatever it is, but make it truly integrated into everything they're doing. Yep. And, and I would say after, after you've communicated with that influencer and you got them at your property, you need to almost treat it like a more of a traditional PR visit. And you need to have a handler that can walk this person through their stay. Now they're VIP. Exactly. I mean, you want to treat them as such. You want to make sure that if you're the place that does the 5K every you know, Saturday, that they know about that. And if you need to adjust the time of you know, the start of the 5K, you, yeah, you accommodate them. Yeah, you sure. really want to work because this person is going to be there live streaming it they're going to be obviously taking photos you want to find out what they need to give their audience what they want so i mean i think you know maybe don't send them to your property in the very off season when no one's there and it looks dead and they might not have as much fun but maybe not the peak season where you're wasting a room on them Maybe somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I mean, there is, but send them in the peak season too. I mean, look at that as an advertising expense. And there's a reason why people come to your property in the peak season. It's the best time. I mean, if, if you can bring them there and you can have them interacting with your guests and be all excited and there's a lot of energy, there's an expense to bringing them there. You just factor that into your advertising expense. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a. It, it's going to be different for different hotels right. and different scenarios. I, I agree with both you guys. I, th- I think some properties it makes sense. You know, peak tide in the middle of the summer. But mm-hmm. you know, if you're in a destination like Myrtle Beach and you can get someone there where they don't, you know, have to compete with other guests for the pool chairs. Yeah, don't come to July Fourth. Right, don't come no. July Fourth. But you could come easily in September in Myrtle Beach, and it's still eighty plus degree weather or and, today when it's and, and 95 a, in october <laughs> right <laughs> and still have a great experience right so so i think i think it depends on your location it depends on your property it depends on you know what your tolerance is for taking out that room block but you know it needs to be an authentic experience you're you're exactly right when you say it shouldn't be the dead of winter when no one else is on property because that's not going to be an exciting mm-hmm. thing for them to share on their instagram feed or their youtube channel so in the end, though, none of this matters okay. if you can't measure. Oh no! I thought that was it. I thought just none, yeah, none of, this of it matters. matters. <laughs> yeah. None end. of it matters unless you can figure out, you know, what's your return on this. Exactly. Like, like you always say, always be measuring. <laughs> That's not <laughs> what you say. No. That is not what you say. <laughs> always be testing. There you go. But then always. you need to measure. Yeah. So I mean, everything we do as an agency at Fuel is we don't do anything unless we can measure. ROI. Right? And this we, is a little more difficult to measure. It can be, right? Because there's intangibles and there's tangibles. Right. You know, at the end of the day, we want to drive heads in beds. But this is so top of funnel that that, that can't be your only measure. Well, that's, that's the key is it's top of funnel versus conversion oriented. Right. The people who the influencer is influencing aren't sitting there waiting for that person to say, I visited Myrtle Beach in our case. Quick, 
book your vacation. That's not happening. Right. You're but you're planting seeds. seeds. Yeah, right. exactly. So you're, you're trying to influence them, trying to get them into some kind of funnel, visit a page, collect an email address, something tangible, sh- engage with you on social media, those kind of tangible things that you can then push them down a funnel. But there are also other intangible things. So what are some of the other KPIs you should be looking at when measuring the ROI? Smiles. This? Smiles are important. Giggles. No. Yeah. Those, those are good intangibles. <laughs> Maybe there's others. I don't know. Melissa, what do you think? I think we should measure the success of the podcast on smiles and giggles. I think so. Yeah. And twinkles and eyes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. We have brand awareness. That would be one intangible thing, which is really kind of hard to measure. And sentiment about your property. You can measure followers. That's a little more concrete. So if people are coming to your Facebook page or following your Instagram or following you on Pinterest, you can sort of see that growth over time. Uh, You can certainly measure engagement on your website. That would be one thing. And uh, content and creative assets. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) You're going to have to take that one out. Well, so what? No, I don't need to take that out. I will explain to you what, what I mean, mean, what I meant when I wrote that. So, in in doing this, you're not only gaining the exposure, but you're also gaining valuable content that you can reuse, like we talked about earlier, right? So you might have a blog article that you can now share on your social channels that the influencer wrote. You might have photos that 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 the influencer took when they were on property that now you can use in your advertising and stuff like that. And your SEO is going to say how many links did you get? Right, exactly. So there there are assets that you can gain from it in, in other than just the, you know, the the intangibles like awareness which is like you said tough to measure it's but It's very tough to measure. Yeah. But there are tools out there some of the links we sent, we we put in the show notes with, the, with some of the tools yeah. will measure things like awareness and engagement and sentiment and stuff like that. But I think I mean you look at you look at you know also look at your referrals find out you know hey did did people come from a mommy blogger who you run on property or you know it did you have some kind of dedicated landing page that that said influencer sent people to i think those type of things are a a way to figure it out you have so many intangibles but you also have tangibles i mean if you have an influencer coming and you put money behind it there's nothing wrong with creating a promotion that all of such and such fans can win a free vacation. Or there's a lot of things you can do to give one the influencer the tools to send his or her followers to your site. But it's also the tools that you'll use to determine how valuable this whole process well, was. Like I mentioned earlier, like, hey, I've been influenced by podcasters to say buy the such and such product and every single one of them says Oh, go enter to code, blah, enter blah, blah, blah. code, whatever. I mean, we're not necessarily advocating promo codes, but like in, in the sense of a landing page. I think you want to measure it. Yeah, you, know, you it, want to direct you can measure it. Do yeah. it. But, but I think the important thing is going into it, treating it like any other marketing channel, right? With, with the knowledge that you need to measure something. You need to define what your KPIs are. You need to define your goals. And you need to measure that along the way. I think that that's critical with any marketing, including influencer marketing. And have that conversation with the influencer as well. If it's a brand new influencer who doesn't do any type of you know, media buys, more or less, they, they're not going to have this information. Right. But if there's somebody who's been around the block, they're going to say, well, I can do this for you. And they're going to be more transparent of what they can offer and how they can offer it. 
they've done this with other properties more or less more like than likely yeah for sure and and go look at what they've done for other ca- properties and other campaigns right because you're going to get some influencers that are going to just mail it in and say okay for 500 dollars, you get one blog post five facebook posts and three instagram photos right that and that's it and and they're formulaic and that's what they do that's not really who you're looking for what, who you're looking for is someone who's going to truly collaborate and partner with you and go above and beyond. So a lot of the smaller micro-influencers are a little more hungry for exposure, right, and value to their channel, and they're going to go way above and beyond and do way more. Like if you paid Kim Kardashian to do something, she's going to do the bare minimum that's contractually obliged. But if you go, um, if, if you had, um, if you sold honey on your, on your hotel at your hotel right or you sold mead in your bar and you went and and partnered with the influencer pete DeMeo, beekeeper extraordinaire he's going to go above and beyond because he doesn't get a lot of gigs from an influencer perspective it's true. yeah so he he's going to go really above and beyond when it comes to sharing in, in advocating for your brand but what if pete goes and says something crazy on social media the next day isn't that a little risky yeah so there are some risks we have to admit that there are some risks with influencer marketing. So what would some of those be? So yes, Pete could go and torpedo his own reputation, right? People saw this with Jake Paul recently, right? When he went- Logan Paul. Logan, sorry, Jake's brother. So with Logan Paul, when he went into the suicide suicide woods and yeah, yeah, showed a dead body. Chris tore him up, go look at that. I've been giving my bees steroids. (laughs) Yeah, so if Pete starts juicing his bees, his reputation in the apiarist community is going to go downhill. Yeah. And and you're now hitching yourself to his star. And when it declines, that's a problem, right? So you got to, you know, sometimes you, you might want to do that. Like N- Nike recently with celebrity endorsements tied themselves Oof. to Colin Kaepernick. And... I don't know about your Facebook feeds, but there's a lot of disgruntled people on Facebook about the fact that they did that. But <laughs> I'll tell you what, I've really enjoyed some of the parodies oh, that come awesome. out of that than anything else. I think they did themselves a favor to I be I love honest. the internet. I don't think ultimately it's going to hurt Nike. Nah, it's no. not hurt the Nike. kind of people that are disgruntled are probably not big Nike but supporters. You know, that that is a good point because it is a risk that your influencer might go down a wrong path. But in most cases, it's the influencer. Unless something happens that's directly tied to your brand, there might be some rocky roads, but it's a relatively low risk. Well, it's kind of, it also goes back to what we said earlier. Make sure they have a good time because if you yeah. bring an influencer in and they don't have a great time and their influence becomes negative and you still have to pay them, mm-hmm. you really lost out. Yeah, that's the thing. Most of these influencers, you're not going to pay them or invite them to come stay for free and then guarantee they're going to write some rosy content right. about you. It's going to be a because they they again they have to service their their audience. They need to be authentic. So if they come and it if if your food is terrible, the beds are uncomfortable, they get bed bugs, you're beholden to that, and and that's what they're going to write about. So you got to be really careful. Yeah. That's a risk. Are there benefits though? Obviously, we've been talking about <laughs> them for quite a bit. No, I mean there there really are a lot. There's there are some negatives, but that you be aware of that you need to be aware of, but. Really, it is a very beneficial process as long as you do it right. And I think the first thing I would say is it does help you attract better customers because those customers have a better understanding without the marketing BS behind it of what they're actually going to get. Right, and they're usually passionate people. They're involved in some kind of community. So they're, 
they're, they're more likely to become advocates, right? And they're more likely to become vocal sub-influencers themselves because they're already involved in these communities. So well, so if, if you're a follower of Pete's apiarist blog, right, and he's the one that recommended this property and then you go and have that experience, you're going to go back to that community and it, it becomes an echo chamber where you're saying, hey, Pete was right, this place is great. And that goes out to that community. So these people are really, really valuable, more so than just average Joe that comes to your hotel. And I also think the people who are influenced by said influencer want to have the same experience. Exactly. So they're way more likely to say they had the same experience, even if it was slightly different. Because they want to be like Pete. Who doesn't want to be like Pete? Be like Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's not just that. I mean, I think there's also, and Stuart, you've talked about this a thousand times, there's an arbitrage component is a lot of people are talking about influencer marketing, but there's not a lot of people doing it, especially in the host health space. So if you can get in there, find the right marketers, and make the most out of it, I think it would benefit your property. What are you talking about, Pete? 86, 86% of marketers do this. That's not yeah, in hospitality. <laughs> that's not hoteliers. That's all marketers, right? But it is a growing area for marketing, right? It, 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 we, we talked about this ad nauseum, about the, how people are shifting where they consume media. This is something that is growing, and, and it hasn't re- reached critical mass yet, but it will in the next few years. Well, look at Red Bull. I mean, I think they are a perfect example of someone who is using influencer marketing and more of affinity marketing to create their brand. It's a, it's a freaking energy drink. They've I mean, changed their brands so much. They're but awesome. they, they're tapping into the people who are at the peak of the sport for if it's biking if it's yep. every wings, going flying, off the whatever niches. it might be yep. you're finding you're saying hey here's something exciting here's you know edge of the earth type excitement and we're a part of it and yep. if you're following these people these people are following red bull mm-hmm. so i think that's yeah. where you got to go exactly and another benefit is the roi is good right because and, and that kind of parlays into another benefit which is the cost the barrier to entry is really low you don't have to spend a lot of money and because of that, the ROI can be phenomenal because if you do it right, you have a great plan, you you meet, you, you partner with the right influencers, the return is going to be awesome out of this world, right? But a lot of the people that listen to this show, you know, they're the mom and pop properties with, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 units that have a limited budget and they can't go spend a ton of money on advertising on AdWords or Google Hotel ads or whatever it is. This is something that you can do today that doesn't have to cost you a lot of money. It's just it's a time investment to do it right. You have to give up some inventory. Again, it doesn't have to be peak season. You probably got some some holes in your inventory that you can use. You can get into influencer marketing if you roll up your sleeves and try it in a way that the risk is is minimal, the cost is minimal, but the potential payoff is huge. So I, I think that to me, to answer the question at the very top of the show is on the subject of this this whole thing is what is influencer marketing and is it something my hotel should be doing? Yes, that to me, absolutely 100% because the risk is small, the cost is low, and anyone can do it and have a good benefit from it. Caveat, be sure to follow the legal requirements. <laughs> yeah, we got to definitely make sure we put that in there because... It, it, this is our disclaimer for the disclaimer. If money is exchanging hands or if you're providing something for free to the influencer, you have to, dis- to make sure that's disclosed, yeah. right? And a lot of times, the influencer is going to be responsible right, for they know the that. disclosure of that. 
I would say the most important thing is to be ingrained in your community to find out who those true influencers are. Because the true influencers aren't, we talked about popularity versus influence. Influence. The people who are super popular, everybody knows about, but you need to be in your community so you know who the actual influencers are. Who's the movers right. and Who shakers? are people actually listening to versus right. just watching? No, I agree 100%. So we're running short on time. Um, so what we'll do is in the show notes, we'll link to some examples of some great um, influencer marketing campaigns that have been done. Some some of them are the big brands like the Hiltons and the Marriott's. There's a couple of examples of smaller boutique hotels as well. So that'll be at fueltravel.com slash marketing in up oh, shoot fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 96 96 96 we're getting close to what pete 100 wow and what are we doing for 100 a m a ask me anything live call in edition that's right so in the next couple of weeks we probably need to solidify a date so if we've if been we, saying that if we can figure out what the you know 97 98 and 99 episodes are going to be on and we can figure out who's doing those notes and then put dates to those. Then we can put a date to the live show. So let's try to work on that in the next couple of weeks. In the meantime, if you have questions that you'd like us to answer on the AMA, please send them in. How would they do such a thing? Uh, I think you can do that on Twitter. Yeah. So you can hit us up on Twitter at fuel travel. You can also email us if you're not a Twitterer. And this is easier to remember. What was the word you made up? Remember. 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 I don't think that's no, what that I wasn't said. It was. I can't remember uh, what she said. But you can actually email us info at fueltravel.com and we'll get those emails. And if you have questions about hotel marketing, about just if you need advice, if you want to just ask us, pick our brain about what we think about a new trend, you know, whether it's influencer marketing or something else. We would love to give you our opinion because that's what we do here at Fuel. I think we gave like vests and cards away and stuff for people that we answered questions we for. We did. We did, oh, yeah, last yeah. time. So let's do that again. I think we got a few vests left. We got some yeah. cups left. Yeah. If your thorax is cold but your arms are fine, you want to ask <laughs> us <a> questions. Thorax. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only time you need a vest because your arms are hot but everything else is cold. Do, do humans have thoraxes or is that more of an insect thing? Thorax. <laughs> yeah. We're in the insect world again. Yeah. I, I, I promised myself I'd say thorax before the 100th episode and I did it. You did it there a couple of times, not just once. <laughs> that's phenomenal. So yeah, that's influencer marketing wrapped up in a little nutshell. Again, we probably need to do another follow-up episode on this at some point about the, you know, the ins and outs of actually running a campaign and giving more specific campaigns. But hopefully that's a good overview. And if, if it's not something you've been doing, then hopefully it's something you'll consider moving forward because our clients that have done it and we work collaboratively with them, we try to put a lot of the, the folk, the, a lot of the energy comes from the property itself because they're the ones that have to host it. Um, but it, it can be really, really successful, like we said. So I, I think it's something you should consider as one kind of component of your overall marketing strategy. Certainly you have to have a marketing strategy, you have to have a content strategy first. That makes it a lot easier to come up with this kind of influencer marketing strategy. So that's done. Bam. Done, done and dusted. So Pete. Yes. Where can they find you on the interwebs of internet land? They can find me on Twitter at PDeMeo and I'm there. (laughs) <laughs> usually P- you spell it i, I was did. waiting for you to spell it you don't want to all right no 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 they need to know no, it's no, a weird no, italian name no 
No, no. Melissa. I am on Twitter at M.A. Kavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. And Philip. You can find me on Twitter at P. Fariska, P-F-O-R-I-S-K-A. You can find me at Stuart Butler. You can find us collectively, again, at Fuel Travel. Or if you want to submit your questions, info at fueltravel.com. You can get the notes to this episode at fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 96. Also, don't forget to go download our study that we did with uh, Flip2 and stay in touch on technology in the hospitality industry, the, the issues that are f- facing the industry. You can get that at fueltravel.com slash tech tech study we've had over 2,000 people download that study that is a lot of people yeah people are enjoying it the feedback i'm getting is really good so a lot of people um benefited from that and hopefully you can too so that's fueltravel.com slash tech study and until next time you have been listening to the fuel hotel marketing podcast boutique Boutique. Boutique. Is it boutique? No, I'm boutique. pretty sure it's boutique. Boutique. You can say boutique if you want. If no, you I, I say, I say, I say, boot, how do I say it? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I think I said boutique. Well, you didn't know. You said boutique. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>